Hello, welcome back to Camp Half Pod. We are your head counselors. I am Erin, daughter of Athena. And I'm Monica, daughter of Persephone. This week we're talking about House of Hades, chapters 65 through 72. Every time we do our intro, I'm like, I'm going to say it different. I'm going <laughs> to emphasize a different word, and then I... I feel like I do it the same way every time. I can't stop it. If we didn't say that we were talking about a specific chapter, we could have just like recorded an intro and used it every single time. Yeah. But we had to make it difficult for ourselves. That's true. Yeah. And even now, <laughs> you were you are literally seventy two episodes. I've done this seventy two times, and I still read it word for word in front of me <laughs> in case I say it wrong. I'm always like, I'm gonna improv. I'm gonna say hey instead of hello today and then i'm like hello <laughs> if we deviate from the script we will die I'm gonna, i will perish which is hilarious because we never follow anything we've written down for the rest no. of the content no 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 <laughs> half the time i can't read what i wrote down no that's true I'm i like, can't I read in general wrong. so yeah <laughs> Well, <laughs> you know, expanding off of that, we are in our second to last episode for this book, which is Wild. crazy. Yeah. Um, this book went by really, really fast. I feel like yeah. Athena was slow, but also fast. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Slow in the sense like nothing really happened, mm -hmm. but fast because like I was like, oh my God, so many point of views. I can't keep track. I'm excited because I feel like in this reread, I feel like my favorites have changed. You know, yeah. maybe it's like analysis ruin, not ruin. Well, it can <laughs> ruin things, but also make things better. You know, like analysis can make you like look past certain things. Yeah. Or like appreciate things that you didn't appreciate before. So I don't know. I'm excited when we finish all five of these to reassess which my favorites were. Because I think I always said Mark of Athena and then House of Hades mm. and then the rest. So. Interesting. I definitely, I think I used to say that too, and I 100% have changed my answer, but also, gun to my head, could not tell you the plot of Blood of Olympus. Yeah, well, I don't know that I could either. I know Reina's in it, and Nico's in it, and we get a little side quest with them. Not, I, I guess it's for the plot, but... I don't know that. I do not remember well, that information. Yeah, well, yeah. that's the thing, is I'm, um, I'm thinking of it, and I'm like... This feels like the end. Like, they're getting towards the doors of death. They're yeah. opening it. They're closing it. They're doing all the things that they're supposed to do. And I'm like, that's it. That's it. Like, we've done it. Like, yeah. dust but off our hands. Like, Gaia. Yeah. Mother Earth is out there. You could I could not tell you how to even fight and, you know, allegedly win against Mother Earth. Uh, well, that I think that's the problem with Blood of Olympus, is that there is no good way. There's no good way to fight Mother Earth. Rick wrote himself into a bit of a corner with this yeah. one. You just start polluting more. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, I'm going to poop everywhere. <laughs> At least that's know. biodegradable. They got to spill uh, some oil. True. That's yeah. true. <laughs> oh, God. God, don't you know? Why don't you just do an oil spill? Let's do some it's drilling. Easy. Yeah. Let's like deforest every single national park. That'll show yeah. her. That'll piss her <laughs> off. <laughs> What's she gonna do? Grow them back? Oh no, you're healing the earth for us. 
So a summary of this, what we're talking about today is Erin's going to talk about Frank getting a promotion, and I get to tell you about how Annabeth loses some of her friends. All right, let's do it. Let's have Frank time where we learn weird facts about Coach Hedge. So Frank, chapter 65 through 68. So chapter 65, they have made it to Greece, and it's all incredibly inhospitable. Not exactly the warm welcome that Frank had always dreamed of when returning to the land of his ancestors, which I'm like always dreamed of, I guess. You've known you were of uh, Greek descent for like a year or two, but okay, Frank. I like to imagine that he was like, I thought I would get a warm welcome. Everyone's singing for me as I descend. (laughs) Specifically dancing queen. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what I imagine it would be like to go to Greece. Like, I think that if when I step off a plane there and they're not playing Mamma Mia, I too would be offended. (laughs) Is this not the land of Mamma Mia, of ABBA, of the movie? (laughs) Abba's like Swedish or something. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why they were used in that movie. Anyway. If Meryl Streep doesn't personally greet me, She's I'm dead. going to riot. Not Meryl Streep, but like her character no, is Donna. Donna is Donna. dead. Yeah, yeah. God, you can't say Meryl Streep's Street, dead. I'm so sorry. Don't this is not how you find that. out. Knock on wood. She's yeah. fine. Healthy. Yeah. Okay. Fine, healthy, loved. Anyways, (laughs) greeting me in Greece. The harpies are attacking the ship. Greek harpies, not the fun ones like Ella. They're being mean. And it's super hot and gross. The landscape below is filled with boulders and doesn't look like it would be easy to land upon. Frank is sent downstairs to go get Coach Hedge to go get him ready to go to the temple. And now we get a really strange reveal (laughs) that feels like it comes out of nowhere. Frank walks in on Hedge, having yet another mysterious conversation via Iris message with Melly, the cloud nymph that he had a thing with in The Lost Hero, telling her that he needs to go to battle and making her promise him that she'll stay safe. It turns out Hedge knocked up Melly. <laughs> but don't worry, they got secretly married, so it's all safe. It's all over the table. <laughs> <laughs> The mechanics. I want to know. <laughs> yeah, I'm a whole. I was just like, how? Like, I know that in Greek mythology, like we really do have to bend our um our beliefs because the gods create horses from their spawn. Somehow. Yeah, that's true. So like, it anything can happen. You know, in Greek <laughs> mythology, you like, a god could make a child with like a table. Well, so I is... guess it's okay. <laughs> This is extra insane because it's like taking that like Rick has to pair everyone up to yes. another extreme. Yes, yes, and also it it gives the energy like having having a child with a cloud <laughs> nymph is like the people who are like I had sex with a ghost. Like that's <laughs> that's what it feels like to me. I also don't want the knowledge that Coach Hedgefox. Like I don't need that knowledge. You know what I mean? I, I don't either. But like I. Will say it's kind of on brand for him. <laughs> He's, He's like old. this old satyr that's like really likes wants to fight everyone. I don't know, man. A lot of testosterone. I'm not I don't like to think about it, mm-hmm. but but here we are, unfortunately, thinking about it. It's one of those things that I'm like, did we have to include this, Rick? Well, Did so we have to? The lead Why? up to it was he kept trying to make Iris messages yeah. and he kept 
you know, being shady about it. Yeah. And that's it. Like, that's that's all of it. You don't remember. And, like, someone was like, didn't he have a thing with the cloud nymph? I don't remember. And they don't ask him personal questions. So. No. Yeah. I think it's to, like, you know, raise the stakes for Hedge. But it kind of feels like in these <laughs> chapters, it's just to make it so Hedge stays behind because he's a liability. <laughs> Rick regrets making Hedge their chaperone. He's like, this is too much to worry about here. He could simply have them be, like, you know, kids. We don't discuss, like, them being inappropriate, and that would be fine. He needs to Mm -hmm. have a chaperone, so it makes it feel extra, like, they really want to just get together. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And now he has this character who's really annoying, personally. Probably one of my least favorite characters, not gonna lie. This is a hot take. Hedge is one of your least favorite characters. Yeah, I think he was wow. unnecessary, and he's supposed to be a comic relief, but he's... Yeah. I, I, I you know, you know me. I have a thing when adults who are supposed to, you know, mm. add value end up being liability. <laughs> like, that's so frustrating. Yeah. yeah he's knocked out or incapacitated for most of the fights. He's letting yeah. the kids, like, how many times has Jason been knocked out? What is the purpose oh, of him? Yeah. A lot. I liked him in The Lost Hero as the comedic relief, but I feel like as we've moved on, I kind of forget about him. And then when he's brought up, it's like, oh, yeah, I forgot that he was there. It's like, there's too many characters. Yeah. And it's not, he's not funny enough anymore. Get funnier, Hedge. Like the funny, like Leo's the funny one. So, like, we can just, like, let that be. And then when Coach Hedge comes up and starts being weird, it's like, I guess. There can actually only be one funny one in a group. Yeah. It's like, duh. That's why our universe. friend group is constantly, like, at, like, war with itself. Because, you know, you and I are the funniest, so. <laughs> You're so right. There's two funny ones. I know. It's like, wow. Our friends are just, like, melting. Because we're shining so bright, you know. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> They're all just, we are the sun. They're all just Icarus. <laughs> They try to get close, but they're just getting melted. Yeah, by our humor. <laughs> okay, we've lost the plot. We've lost turn back to Coach Hedge knocking up a cloud. Okay. <laughs> but they got married, so we're all good. And Hedge mm-hmm. then reveals to uh, Frank, he's like, you know, I'll answer your questions because I've always had a soft spot for kids of Aries. And then he's like, I actually was the satyr that brought Clarice to Camp Half-Blood. Frank doesn't know who that is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what does he care? I don't know. But I, I know Frank's <laughs> like, who? Who's Clarice? <laughs> You're right. I was just like, I miss her. I kind of wish she was here. So much, She'd yeah. bring great energy to this. I know. God, I'm going to remake this. put some of them in place, Yeah. 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 So Hedge makes Frank promise not to tell the others about his marriage and forthcoming (laughs) child, and then the two of them head up to prepare for battle. So first things first, Leo asks Hazel to hand over Frank's firewood. It turns out that while on Ojigia, but, you know, we don't, we know this, but Frank doesn't know where he got this magic pouch. Mm -hmm. uh, Leo got Calypso to create a pouch made from magic fireproof fabric. I was like, it's giving Edna mode. (laughs) It's Calypso Edna mode. Oh, yes. I love that read of it much better. Because you could imagine Leo looking at Edna mode and be like, this is the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's funny. 
Frank then takes the firewood instead of letting Hazel have it back because Hazel had been carrying it. And Hazel honestly seems a little hurt by this. Like, I think she liked carrying this burden for him. But Frank says that he wants to step up and carry his own burden. Then Piper calls them all over. They've found the source of the black lightning. You know, the black lightning mentioned at the last chapter that we kind of forgot about because we had to talk about Hedge (laughs) getting a cloud pregnant. (laughs) They spy a cluster of ruins from which tendrils of black lightning are curling into the sky. It's the Necromantian, the House of Hades. As they make to descend to it, Frank tells Hedge that he should stay behind because they need someone to be air support. But really, he wants to make sure Hedge survives and get him home to his kid. Or... Rick just wants Hedge to stay behind because he's a liability. Yeah. Both are possible. Hedge seems really grateful and stays behind. And the rest of them head to, as Jason says, Crash Gaia's party. (laughs) Cool dude. Yeah, Jason. I just, I do, I do adore the read of Jason as just being like a himbo. (laughs) He's just like, let's go crash your party. And they're all like, okay, Jason. Whatever you say, buddy. He's like yeah. slurring his words because he has a concussion still. <laughs> Poor Jason. <laughs> okay, chapter 66. Nico leads the gang down into an excavated trench all the way to a doorway where the death storm seems to originate from. So remember Trip, the farmer's only god? He is coming in handy here because... If we remember way back then, he gave them barley cakes, and apparently this these are magic barley cakes that can protect them from drinking poison because they have to drink poison to get into the necromantian. So Nico leads them underground and through the door. Him and Hazel doing a lot of the work since they are the children of the underworld. When they reach the ancient entrance to the necromantian, there's a chalice full of dark green liquid. Yay, poison. So Nico drinks from it first because he's edgy. He's just like, yeah, I'm going to drink poison. I actually drink poison for breakfast every day. (laughs) And then he passes it around to the others. Now they'll be able to pass into the first level. As they get lower, it's kind of cool that this, I just realized this, this kind of mirrors like the death mist that Percy and Annabeth had to do. Yeah, they have to be dead Mm -hmm. in order to get close to death. It makes sense. Yeah. It's very, it's like a cat lover. Yeah, I like that their like narratives are kind of lining up here with them all they're both reaching their final battles at the same time and having mm-hmm. to get deathly. <laughs> so as they get lower and lower, Frank feels more on edge and creeped out. His skin tingles and he feels the pouch with his firewood get heavier, and in the darkness he thinks his friends look like ghosts. Again, kind of like how Percy was looking at Annabeth and was like, she looks like a ghost, but he was also like, she's so hot. She's <laughs> a hot ghost, though, it's a don't hot worry. Ghost. Yeah. They reach the entrance to the second level, and while there are no immediate traps that Hazel can sense, she says that her underground sense feels fuzzy, like something is working against them and obscuring things. And Leo asks, like, could it be that witch that you were warned about? And she's like, we can't say her name. And then Hazel says, this quote is so cool. She says, from this point on, the dead are stronger than the living. Which I was like, I just want to randomly say that when I enter a room. Like, go in the bathroom and be like, the dead are stronger than the living here. Is it because people are going to think that you just, like, took a really difficult shit. And you're just like, (laughs) oh man, I'm not strong enough for this. (laughs) The dead are too strong here. 
Um, they travel deeper and the tunnel grows more unstable, forcing them all to follow in a line behind Hazel. And she kind of has to like walk um, in very specific steps and make them follow her. Um, but then Frank seems to hear a voice calling to him. The voice tells him that it awaits him in Pylos and then says, To survive, you must lead. At the break, you must take charge. They reach a cavern with dozens of tunnels and ghostly voices echoing everywhere. The floor is made of bones and gems, which I thought was really cool. Frank spies a legionnaire ghost standing in one of the doorways, but nobody else can see him. And they're all like, Frank, are you okay? <laughs> the cavern then reverberates and dozens of monsters stream out at them from all directions. A fissure spreads across the room and Frank tackles Leo and Hazel and tells them to run. Jason, Piper, and Nico stand on the other side of the fissure, surrounded by monsters. Frank tells Nico to use the Diocletian Scepter, and Nico is able to summon a Roman corpse army in full battle gear. Frank tells Leo and Hazel to keep going, because Leo, remember, Leo has to go find Clitus. Mm, difficult, difficult <laughs> and, task. You know, and Hazel has to fight the witch, mm. and they tells them to go onwards toward the door. He knows he needs to take charge because a ghost told him to, mm. and he is just like, you can tell in the narr narrative, like, his brain is just, like, working faster even than, like, we can keep up. Like, he clearly has a plan, but he's not fully revealing it. Mm. He's going into his full, like, war planning child of Mars. Intuitively, he knows that his place is to stay here and help the others, so he heeds the advice of his ghosty ancestor that told him to take charge at the break. Chapter 67. It turns out the Roman legionnaires will actually only listen to Frank because he's the only true Roman left, because as we recall, Jason had the whole four chapters <laughs> where he was like, Greek? I choose to be Greek, yeah. Yeah, and he's no longer, he like disowned his dad or something. <laughs> Um, and Piper and Nico are both Greek, and, you know, he just sent Hazel away. So, but Frank, unfortunately, doesn't hold high enough rank to command them, because he's only a centurion. And I was just like, the Greeks would ne the Greeks would just attack. But the yeah. Romans are like, we have to follow orders, even you as corpse well. Yeah. They yeah. love, they would love corporate America. Oh, they would. They would. Honestly, it's probably very much, like, inspired by Rome. Oh, of course. Capitalism. Mm. Mm. In that moment, then, Jason promotes him to Praetor by resigning. He's just like, I'm not, I, I don't even want to be Roman anymore. I'm no longer Praetor. You can be the emergency Praetor, Frank. And then suddenly the Roman ghosts are like, oh, okay. And they listen <laughs> to Frank. <laughs> Frank gives out commands left and right. Jason flies some legionnaire corpse dudes across the chasm. Nico raises the dead. Piper uses her charm speak on monsters. And Frank is ready to lead the front. Okay, question. So yes. Jason has the rank, but he doesn't have, I guess, the allegiance or the birthright anymore. Yeah. What is more important? I feel like the Romans would say rank. Right? So he would still be able to command the army because he's still praetor. He never gave it up. Mm-hmm. So well, he, he just did. He just resigned. No, but in that moment, like, it's like Frank yeah. is the only one to command them because he's the only true Roman. It's like, how would the ghosts know? They weren't there when Jason was, like, you know, going to therapy and deciding his fate. The ghosts, like, they, they're psychic ghosts, maybe. They know that in Jason's heart, he's not a Roman. <laughs> the like, vibes I can are see your heart. <laughs> The vibes are actually wrong with this one. Like, he says he's a braider. Mm. No. But they will accept his promotion of Frank? 
Yeah, it's a little bit confusing. Hmm. Hmm. The rule books, you have to read the bylaws. Yeah. 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 yeah I don't know what what was happening there, no, but it's like Frank needs to do something, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of liked the idea of him just being able to command them as a centurion. I don't think he needed his little promotion, but no, because he is a child of Mars. Like they would listen to that. Apparently sense. not. Mm. So, chapter sixty-eight. Frank, glowing with the blessing of Mars, leads the charge. Their forces sweep the army away, and Frank is literally on fire from this uh, blessing of Mars. So, shout out to Leo's pouch for saving his wood. <laughs> <laughs> He dismisses the army for now, and they all know that more monsters are coming since the dead won't stay dead for long. But then suddenly Nico staggers. He can sense that something is happening with the doors of death. Percy and Annabeth are in danger. Whew. Okay, on to my notes. Oh, I did notice that there is this little, like, line in the first chapter when um, Frank is interacting with Hazel and Leo, and he just comments, he's like, ever since Leo came back, he hasn't been staring at my girl the same way. It's nice. Our love okay. triangle is gone. Leo just needed to put his energy elsewhere. Yeah, Leo That's needed someone else to stare longingly at. <laughs> um, oh, another favorite little tidbit I had was that it's, they. Uh, Frank says, as usual, Nico was perched atop of the foremast, and I'm just <laughs> like, they're all afraid of him, but he's like on the little pirate lookout. That's With so cute. He's yeah. perched. That's adorable. Oh, it's so cute. Um, I thought this chapter did a better job at forcing Frank into leadership than the cow one. Oh, for sure. The cow one was a massacre yeah. for no reason. At least this yeah. was like, he has to take charge to save his friends to do the quest. Makes sense. Exactly. Yeah, it was kind of like learning a similar lesson, but ne- more necessary better. than the cow thing. Yeah. Um, another note I had was that something, on to learning the same lessons, something that does frustrate me with so many narrators that it's something I don't think frustrated me as much the first time I read it. Like doing analysis is, a lot of the time I appreciate things more when I analyze them and I do appreciate this series more, but I've also noticed that having so many narrators just like doesn't work super well for me at least as a reader because they're learning the same lesson it feels like each time because we don't get like consistent character development so it feels like we haven't seen frank since like the cow chapters so we have to still like go back and unpack his insecurities and it's kind of the same with all the other characters except Percy and Annabeth because they're so well established. We don't really need to do a recap of their insecurities. Yeah, and also that's why Jason feels so repetitive because he's yeah. d- denouncing the Roman side four times in a row. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah, which is why I think that. There are definitely books I've read that do the like tons of narrators really well, and I don't think this is done bad. Like it's they're good books. Like obviously yeah. we like talking about them; they're great. Um, but I think that it's something like I think with having read both Percy Jackson, also Trials of Apollo, I think that some of these characters in this book get more development 
from the Trials of Apollo books from like a consistent narrator than we get when we're like getting these tiny glimpses into their minds and then forgetting about what they're going through for half the book. And so it's it's just very apparent. Yeah. And I always, I personally find it more interesting to read about other people through the eyes of a consistent narrator. I think it's more interesting because you learn more about the narrator and you learn about the other person. It's nice. Yeah, I love a side character. But I also know, like, some people love having a ton of narrators. Yeah. And so, you know, it's to each their own. I think I've learned I prefer one to two. And obviously the reason that these books are different than it's not PJO Part 2. It is, but it isn't because we get to have the multiple narrators and characters. So I get that, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, my last comment was that I thought the House of Hades sounds so cool. I want to go to it. I know it's wrong visually, but I'm imagining the Haunted Mansion um, <laughs> in Disneyland. Specifically during, like, Halloween time where it's, like, Nightmare Before Christmas themed. Oh, that's the best version of the yeah. Haunted Mansion. Yeah. I don't know why. Every time they're, like, we're in the house of, like, you know, they're, like, going through the levels and it's, like, all of that. And I'm, like, hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so what, then you see Jack Skellington in the corner. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What is the thing that the voice says when you go down in the elevator? It's, like... Like, some number of haunts, and then they're like, room for more. (laughs) I've only been once, so I can't tell you. I've been a lot of times. Mike can quote that, not only verbatim, but he's really good at the voice. I'm a disappointment right now to (laughs) his side of the family, yeah. I like that that envisioning of the House of Hades. That's not what I was thinking, but (laughs) I like it. Well, first I was thinking of, like, the Hades video game where, you know, they're trying, mm. like, the characters trying to escape I've the underworld. I'm not good at it, so I stopped playing it. <laughs> <laughs> but it has an interesting storyline, and I'm sure if I, like, actually went at it for a little while and took the time. I'm tired yeah. of computers, so I stopped playing it. Yeah. Um, I get that. I, I only thought like of that. games. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> well, sense. I thought of that because of, like, the levels and, like... Mm. you know all of that and this having to fight monsters and drink potions and stuff but then when i was when just when you were reading it to me i was like yeah you know the haunted mansion obviously obviously another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, are you ready to hear about Annabeth? Of course, always. Become depressed? Okay. So this is I like have... the last Annabeth chapters we get they ever. are, I know. To this date. And they're <sighs> really tragic, so buckle up. 
Moment of silence for Annabeth's narration. (laughs) So Annabeth chapter 69 through 72. So chapter 69. Nice. Nice. Staring up at the excessive theatrics that is Tartarus's physical form, Annabeth decides that she doesn't want to die in a heroic way. She wants to die quietly in her sleep or for some reason Mm -hmm. falling down the stairs. She's like, that could be an option, too. That's not peaceful. No. No. But she's like, after a nice 80 years of a peaceful life with Percy, then she'll accept death. Annabeth knows she doesn't have the force to defeat the god that she's faced with, but she can't get herself to speak or think. So Athena logicking out of the situation is out of the question. She looks over at Percy, who has never backed away from a fight who actually drops his sword and he's just staring at this huge god. Tartarus reaches for him as if to pluck him when Bob intervenes. He levels his spear, which is actually his broom, at Tartarus and tells Tartarus that he has no right to interfere. Tartarus doesn't like this and swats Bob away, but the Titan does not disintegrate like his brothers. Bob explains that he chose to be more than Ipetus. He is his own person outside the creation of what Tartarus made him, and therefore Tartarus cannot control him like he could the other monsters and the Titans. So if you remember, he was able to just like swipe his hand and just like absorb the other two Titans. He can't do that to Bob. Mm -hmm. Small Bob lands on the ground and hisses at the god and starts to grow. Small Bob then becomes a full-size translucent saber-toothed tiger skeleton which I think is so cool. Nice. He then pounces on Tartarus and sinks his teeth into the god's muscly, juicy thighs, which is so funny because like, Annabeth doesn't mention Tartarus's muscles, but Percy laughs at so in-depth, so descriptive. Mm-hmm. We know Tartarus doesn't skip leg day. No, he does not. And mm-hmm. do you know what else? Um, small Bob decides to climb up into his skirt and then disappears. Nice. So I was like, oh. what are you doing up there, Bob? Small Bob. Small Bob. <laughs> Get out Bob. of there. <laughs> he's, he's chopping. Um, <laughs> <laughs> who knows what the size of that thing was? <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. Bob takes this opportunity to throw his spear into the god's side. He tells Annabeth and Percy to take the doors that he would deal with Tartarus. Tartarus is now furious, and so he sends his monsters to attack. So chapter 70, Percy and Annabeth snap into action. Annabeth dives for the chains, holding the doors, and begins cutting while Percy drives back the first wave of monsters. Unfortunately, he stabs an Araya, and he gets a little bit cursed while he's doing it. Just a tiny bit. <laughs> for spice. Annabeth manages to cut both sets of chains, and the door opens. Meanwhile, Bob and Small Bob are weaving through Tartarus's legs and managing not to get swiped at. It's just the God is huge, so he's like, the <laughs> movements are slow, and he's just like like a, a cat, like a giant person trying to catch catch a little mouse. Annabeth is fighting monsters and jumps into the elevator, calling Percy over. Percy tells her that he will hold the button while she goes in, but Annabeth <sighs> won't hear it. And we remember in Percy's set of chapters, he had come to the realization that he would have to help Bob hold the doors open Mm -hmm. with the button because no way that the Titan can do it by himself. And he just Mm -hmm. didn't tell Annabeth. But Annabeth has kind of assumed he was thinking that line and was like, nah. I am such a sucker for when a character is like, I'm going to sacrifice myself. And then they try to do it and they're like, the other person is like, 
fuck you. No, you're not. No, you're not. And exactly what Annabeth does. She was like, you promised. Remember when we were about to fall into Tartarus? You promised that we would never get separated again. This is one of the times that we're going to get separated. <laughs> this counts. <laughs> this counts. A cyclop charges towards Annabeth, and Percy uses the Phlegathon firewater to kill it, and then begs Annabeth to just leave. He's like, we don't have a lot of time. Annabeth again refuses, and then takes down an ogre that is about to swipe at Percy. They're standing shoulder to shoulder, facing thousands of monsters. The doors are standing open right there, but there's no way to get through without someone pressing and holding the buttons. Also, now it seems that Tartarus has begun to get more comfortable with his body, which is good for him. Body positivity. Love it. <laughs> Those big juicy thighs. <laughs> good for you, honey. And he's being able to smack Bob a little bit more because he's like, mm-hmm. movements are a bit crisper. Percy tells Annabeth that he has to go help Bob, and Annabeth begs him not to. She understands that Tartarus is in a league of his own. She's like, he won't be brought down by a demigod. Which I was like, did you forget that 12-year-old Percy fought and won against Ares? Like, you know, like, I I don't think, like, I understand (laughs) where she's coming from, but, like, Percy is a different kind of demigod. He's not like other demigods. Yeah, he's just built different. Yeah. But she also knows that he won't listen, so she says that they will go together. At least they'll die side by side, which is ugh, ugh, ugh. At that moment, they are about to attack, and an alarm rips through the monster army, and the monsters begin screaming. A Maeonian? What? What is that? Maeonian? I don't know. Okay. I'm going to say, a Maeonian dracon appears and sprays poison breath into the battlefield and wipes out some ogres with its tail. Riding on its back is our hero, Shrek, who looks at (laughs) (laughs) Annabeth. is Shrek! It's Damason, who looks at Annabeth and says that he took her advice and has decided to choose himself a new fate. Hmm. So, and remember, Damison is our uh, Tartarus Shrek, as yes. Aaron has called him, mm-hmm. and he's here to fight. So, chapter 71, Tartarus is annoyed to see his kid here to fight. He's like, my most disgraced son. I was like, what a title. <laughs> so rude. I know. But Damison extends the challenge while like, kind of miming at Annabeth and Percy to go to the doors. Bob limps away from the fight with Percy's help, and they head towards the doors as well. He tells them to go and that he will hold a button. He's bleeding golden ichor and he's hunched and he's twisted. He's clearly very, very injured. Percy argues that Bob is in no physical shape to hold the doors open, but Annabeth tells Percy that he has to let Bob do this. It's literally the only way. Percy is still not okay with it, but Bob gently persuades him to let him go so that Percy can return to the surface and fight Gaia. Percy begs Bob not to stay because he will be destroyed permanently. But Bob shrugs and says, no one knows what's going to happen. Maybe Bob will regenerate. Maybe Bob will disintegrate. But no one can know what's going to happen. Bob then says they have to go now. They can't defeat the god, but they can buy the demigod's time. And so I'm going to read this part because it's it's good. So bear with me. Annabeth jumped and threw her arms around the titan's neck. She kissed his cheek, her eyes so full of tears she couldn't see straight. Bob's stubbly face smelled of cleaning supplies, fresh lemony furniture polish, and Murphy oil wood soap. Monsters are eternal, she told him, trying to keep herself from sobbing. We will remember you and Damson as heroes, as the best titan and the best giant. 
We'll tell our children. We'll keep your story alive. Someday you will regenerate. Bob ruffled her hair. Smile lines crinkled around his eye. That is good. Until then, my friends, tell the sun and the stars hello for me. And be strong. This may not be the last sacrifice you must make to stop Gaia. He pushed her away gently. No more time. Go. Annabeth grabbed Percy's arm. She dragged him into the elevator car. She had one last glimpse of the Mionan Drakon shaking an ogre like a sock puppet, Damison jabbing at Tartarus's legs. Ugh. Rip Bob. Yeah, rip Bob. Bob. So Bob pushes her towards the doors, and he says that the doors may resist their passage. They will have to hold the panel shut, and then the doors close. And Bob's, like, final line of, like, tell the star and the sun hello for me is just so, ugh. It's such so a beautiful. So beautiful, especially because it kind of calls back to when they, Annabeth overheard him talking with Damison about how the thing he misses the most are the stars mm-hmm. and seeing the stars. And you don't think about that because in my head they're just, like, chilling and, like, just, like, a red version of the earth, but it's, you know, a huge god's body or something along yeah. those lines. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Like, imagine never seeing the sky. Ugh. ugh. Yeah. So chapter 72, Percy and Annabeth use their entire bodies to try and hold the doors shut. There are no handles, so they basically have to spread out and hold on. Annabeth's shoulders begin to ache. The (laughs) The elevator begins to play easy listening music and escape which is the i like pina colada song have you ever listened to like all the lyrics of that song yeah it's insane it's like some guy goes to cheat on his wife and he puts an ad in the paper for Mm -hmm. like you know a mistress and he puts like all these requirements about liking pina colada and like dancing in the rain all that stuff and he goes to this motel room to meet this woman and she turns around and it's his wife and they're like whoa (laughs) we have things in common (laughs) We were both gonna cheat each other, cheat on each other. They don't even so- think about that. They talk about how like, wow, you like Pina Coladas and dancing there. Let's I do it no together. Idea. And it's a romantic song, I guess. I'm like, do you never ask your wife questions about herself? No, <laughs> her likes and her interests. Obviously, they they don't talk to each other. <laughs> Maybe they should have gotten divorced. <laughs> so I personally think the song is a really fun bop. It's a good song to listen to. But it is. Annabeth thinks it's the reason the monsters pop out of the doors ready for carnage, which I think is funny. That is funny. Percy's breaking down about leaving his friends behind, which is like literally going against his fatal flaw of being too loyal. Annabeth is also distraught, but she's hiding it a little better since they have to hold the doors. She reflects on how when she was younger, all she wanted was a quest. Now, after literally five years of nonstop quests, she realizes the hardest test for the child of Athena is not leaving or facing death. It is the strategic decision to step back and let someone else take the brunt of the danger. She also has to face the fact she can't protect everyone she loves and she can't solve every problem. Oof. And I was like, that's a lot. I mean, for the Annabeth's last chapter ever, she does mm-hmm. so much self-reflection. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I think, two series worth of answers she's been looking for, but in the worst yeah. way possible. I know. Like, she has to learn to let go a little. Oh, but, like, not physically, because she has to hold the doors she shut. the doors, yeah. So Percy's coming apart but also has to hold the doors. He swears that he will kill Gaia. He's like, with my bare hands, I will rip her. I was imagining him like, digging at the dirt and throwing <laughs> it. Like, take that, Gaia. 
And Annabeth thinks about how they couldn't even kill Tartarus and how Tartarus said that he and Gaia would last forever. She also thinks about how Bob said that this was not the last sacrifice that they would have to make. She prays for to Athena for wisdom and guidance. And she also prays that their friends have made it to the other side and are controlling the doors there. Or else these doors are going to go right back where they came from. So the last line is, they held the door shut as the elevator shuddered and music played, while somewhere below them, a titan and a giant sacrificed their lives for their escape. Parentheses, Pina Colada song. Pina Colada song. Es- yeah. Escape. 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 <laughs> um, I had a note um, that I, I, I'll address first is, I think it's so funny because Annabeth is like, oh, God, I hope our friends made it to the other side. I would be personally so pissed if these guys didn't make it. Annabeth and Percy managed to make it to the doors of death, being in literal Tartarus, dying, and uh, only being the two of them. And these guys have a flying ship and there's five of them and they couldn't make it to the doors of death. I would be so mad. That's not even a question. They better be there. It's Annabeth and Percy who have to struggle. I will say, though, sometimes a bigger group makes things worse. Like, when you're playing a video game, you know? Like, I think of when you're trying to play, like, Super Mario Brothers. If you have all four people, you won't make it there. But if you just play by yourself, you get through it all, you know? That's how I imagine the five of them are. It's, like, Mm -hmm. five people playing Super Mario Brothers all just jumping on each other's heads. That's true. And then, (laughs) to be fair, too, like... They don't have a plan without Annabeth. They all fall apart immediately. No one else has the brain cell. No. Um, I was curious, because when Small Bob grew up, essentially, I was curious how big saber-toothed tigers are. I was like, compared to a god, was this, like, actually very big and fearsome? And so they come up a little bit short, like, standing on all fours to the shoulder of a person who's 5'9" from the diagram hmm. I saw is what they're predicting and for what they found with fossils and stuff. Okay. And so it would be cool and much bigger than a, like a tiger, but it's not like, you know, I mean like it's like a, an appropriate tiger size for a Titan. So it's not like mm-hmm. menacing. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It'd be cool if you like became like, like, like kind of like he man became like huge <laughs> and you could ride him. I don't know. Yeah. That would be pretty cool. Um, I really loved that this was like we've talked about Percy's fatal flaw before and we've come back to it and it's like if Annabeth wasn't there being logical Percy would not have been able to leave Bob and Davison behind at all Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that would have been the result of his fatal flaw not that it's a bad thing because I mean it is a bad thing because it's a big picture he's mixing the big picture he needs to go to the door and he needs to defeat Gaia. But it's also like he wants to be with his friends. I don't know. I think it, it breaks him a little, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah. Like, I really, I think it breaks him. We don't get as much about his narration. Like, we don't get his narrative. We don't really know as much about his, what's going on in his brain. But, like, I personally am like, this probably, like, really messes Percy up for quite a while. <laughs> Like all of Tar, like all of Tartarus was really messing with him. And oh his yeah. His final straw was just absolutely devastating, especially mm-hmm. because he's felt like such a bad friend to Bob this mm-hmm. whole time because he kind of forgot about him, and then Bob gives his life for Percy. Like that's unforgivable to him. You know what I'm imagining? 
in in what that was inside out right? inside out with bing bong with bing bong yeah that's who bob is bob is. like being left behind like go save riley Ugh. Oof. Ugh. Oof. that's bob <laughs> you make me want to watch that movie again and cry i've only seen it once but it was quite impactful mm-hmm. children loved it uh, yeah, I mean, great adults tool. loved it. I yeah. Mean. Um, my last note is Bob's like character arc is my favorite. They have such great dialogue with him about choice, mm-hmm. about destiny, and it mimics a bit of the first book with Crook, <laughs> with <laughs> his like, you know, like, oh, I was pushed into this. I have like anger and hatred towards who I was, who I'm meant to be. I want to change my fate, but it's nicer because he doesn't have like. His pathetic daddy issues, like, hovering above him. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Like, it's, like, this really deep conversation about, like, fate and choice and yeah. um, nature and nurture and all that good stuff. Yeah, like, they have a conversation rather than, like, Luke standing there with, you know, ge- committing genocide and being like, this is, yeah. like, preaching at Percy about choice and fate and, like... Yeah. Mm. yeah. We prefer not to have genocide. Uh, thanks, yes. Luke. Thanks. I mean, Luke wasn't killing that many people. <laughs> <laughs> He's actually redeemable, if we think he about it. He was just trying to convince them to come to his side. And if they disagreed, <laughs> yeah, with her. Yeah. All right, let's do a couple lightning bolt round questions. The one that I came up with is, because I was thinking about how Nico and Hazel do a lot of the legwork in the Frank chapters when they're going underground. And so I was thinking, like, would you rather have powers like Nico's or Hazel's? And then also, like, what would you do with that? Mm-hmm. Um, I think Nico. Yeah. Because I feel like Hazel, a lot of her powers doesn't come from being the child of Pluto. Well, the um, underground, because she's like... An under, I mean, besides, magic aside, like her underground gem powers. So Hazel's underground gem power is fine, but the curse that comes with it is not yeah. worth it. At that point, what's the point, right? Yeah. Yeah. Whereas Nico's just kind of like, it's unfortunate he smells like death, but I'm sure he's <laughs> showered more, more than I'm sure a teenage boy does. True. And like, dressed a bit better, he would be, um, he would have friends. Hazel's like, has some other things going on, but... I think Nico's is cool. I agree. I think I would constant. I would. I feel like having Nico's would be dangerous for me, though. I feel like I'd constantly be having seances, like a little bit like Nico, you know, <laughs> like how he's constantly like. I think I would want Nico's powers, but I'd need to set a boundary to like not summon anyone I knew when they were alive, you know, like just let oh, ghosts yeah. come to me, whoever wants to. But like, <laughs> I feel like I drive myself crazy. I mean, I really like the, like, I keep thinking of the scene in uh, Battle of the Labyrinth when mm-hmm. he feels like, I'm the Ghost King. Like, oh, that's so, so cool. cool. Like, so I would cool. love to pull that shit. Yes. Whereas Hazel, I mean, she gets a horse, which is cool. That has nothing to do with her being the child of Pluto. Mm-hmm. A lot of her, her coolest aspects are, like, her witch stuff, which has nothing to really do with being a child of Pluto. It has more to do with um, not Cersei, who is it? Hecate, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's true. Those are like a fun added bonus. Yeah, and so that's why I, that's why I think Nico's cooler, personally. 
I think I'd want to have Nego's powers too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So this was a listener question from Lamise. Um, in the House of Hades, so basically they sent this a while back. So when Annabeth and Percy are in the elevator to get out of Tartarus, they're listening to, you know, elevator easy music, um, specifically Escape. So the question <laughs> is, what kind of music would you like to listen to while taking a trip out of hell? The first thing that comes to mind is Nightmare by Halsey. <laughs> like, I'd want to come out raging. Yeah, that's true. I don't true. want easy music. No. I want to be ready to fight. I'm going to be pumped. But to be fair, okay, so in this version, they're coming out to fight. If they were coming out to just, like, to finally escape and just kind of, like, meander home. Escape is a funny choice. It is. Because they're escaping. Mm-hmm. I got to, like, think about, do I have any escape songs? Well, I kind of was aligned with you at first. I was like, it'd be really nice to, like, do some, like... You know, ACDC Thunderstruck, like, get really mm. pumped up, like, something that's, like, kind of like a walk-up song, almost. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I think after literally going through hell and finally being into, like, a safe space, it'd be kind of nice to listen to just, like, really soft, gentle music. Like, yeah. Like, Something from Fearless Taylor Swift yes. album. Yeah. Wait, is this the elevator? I know it opens every 12 minutes. Is the whole ride 12 minutes? Yeah. All too well, 10 minute version. Mm-hmm. Only one song. But then you have two minutes of silence. <laughs> and then, well, then it can restart. I can get the <laughs> fuck the patriarchy part a second time. That's all I need. That's true. That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is true. I can see why Annabeth would think that the monsters want to just kill everyone if they have to listen to that song they have to go through the plot of escape like three times (laughs) be like we know it's your wife (laughs) okay well um yeah so we are heading over to the final chapters of house of hades insane this was really fast percy chapters ever i know i will get emotional i think it's nicer going into blood of olympus knowing that instead of just yeah. every time I switched narrators I was like okay are you Percy you're not Percy are you Percy and I was just like waiting for him and he never showed up yeah I imagine it was hard like not like going into it as the books came out and you didn't know if if Percy was going to be a narrator or not and then you realize yeah. like oh he's not yeah I feel like it's easier when you know like oh this is the last Percy chapter it makes it yeah. a little bit better bittersweet yes yes Um, So if you are interested in supporting us, you can find us on Patreon, and you can also find the link to send us an audio message as well. Both the links will be in the episode description. Um, You can follow us on social media. Our social is at CampHathPod. Also send us an email, CampHathPod at gmail.com. I have been good about getting back to you now, so there we go. (laughs) And don't forget to rate and review wherever you listen to us. Bye-bye. Bye.